Hello and welcome to the ICANN Community Church Podcast with me, your host, Bishop Wayne Malcolm. ICANN Community Church is situated in London's East End and comprises a youthful and diverse congregation. For details, visit our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com. But now, join us in one of our live services where I'm teaching transformational truths from the Bible. I'm feeling deep this morning. And what I love about my home church is that I can be deep in a sort of risk-free environment. The only caveat is that y'all stream it live. Um, But I suppose that there are some theological conclusions that we reach after a period of interrogation, investigation, consultation, deliberation, and we reach a conclusion. Every now and again, we are led to share what we're investigating even before we finally concluded it. And that's what I mean that home lets me go deep so no doubt we'll build on this and take it to new levels as the years go by but I'm bursting with this so I'm going to share it today will that be all right I have your permission good so go with me to Romans chapter number eight In Romans chapter 8, we are going to read verse 29 and following. So Romans 8 verses 29 and following. And when you can see it, would you say amen? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also he called. And whom he called, them also he justified. And whom he justified, them also he glorified. Woo! The mystery of predestination. The final installment. All right, pray with me, and then we're going to go into this. Amen. Speak to my heart, Holy Spirit, bring me a word to encourage me. Words on the wings of the morning. My dark nights will fade away if you speak to my heart now. Sweet Holy Spirit of the living God, how we need you now more than ever. We are excited about your presence and power at work in our lives. And we are excited about your predestination for us. Speak to us with clarity, precision, power, and transform us by the word of wisdom, by revelation knowledge. Take us to new levels, new heights, new depths of understanding, till we become all that you destined us to be. And this we have prayed in the magnificent name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. So... Before we unpack what we've read, I think we should read a few more passages that make reference to predestination. Would that be all right? 
So let's go over to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Uh, go to verse 4, actually. Go back to verse 4. And then we're going to read on through verse 5. Okay, now watch this. According as he hath what? Wow, that's just, gosh. Can we just pause there? Because it's really hard for me to read the Bible in any straight sense because fireworks go off and light bulbs start going off in my mind. So we've been looking at the fact that, that our presence on planet Earth is neither accidental, coincidental, nor incidental. It is deliberate, intentional, and a strategic part of God's master plan that we could have lived at any time in, you know, in history and could have been born in any place. But for some reason, we are present at this time and we were born in this particular place wherever you were born. And this suggests that you were chosen to be a part of this generation. Make sense? chosen to be a part of this generation now you could have been born anywhere in the world and at any time and unless you believe in reincarnation you have to accept that this is the first time you have been present on planet earth and we don't preach reincarnation here we preach resurrection but we don't preach reincarnation it sounds like it's a pretty idea but it's not a biblical idea biblically you have never been here before you were chosen specifically for this generation. Now here we've got a verse that says, according as he has, what? Chosen us. In him that is in Christ, when? Before the foundation of the world. That we should be what? And without what? Before him in what? Love. So whatever God chose us for was predetermined before the world actually came into existence. Before the foundation of the world, God had you in mind and a plan for your life. How special are you? Come on now. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you are super special. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. This means that God is never reacting or responding. He is always acting intentionally. He, his foreknowledge, his omniscience, and his infinite intelligence uh, is responsible for your presence on planet Earth at this particular time. Yes. Nothing then could be more tragic than for you to live and die, never discovering who you are or why you are here. By the same token, everything must fall into place once you recognize your who-ness and you can answer the question, why am I here? Because at that point, your life has meaning, it has purpose. And at that point, you will make peace with your past and find the freedom to pursue your future. I'm going to say it again. At the point that you discover the purpose of your presence on planet Earth, you will make peace with your past and you will find the freedom to pursue your future. Why is it important that you make peace with your past? Because whatever you are fighting with or warring with, you are entangled with and engaged with in a very close sense. So, so long as you are entangled with the past, you're never free to pursue the future. It is the point at which you are at peace with your past, meaning, okay, I didn't like that, but I now understand why that had to happen in order to move me into a position where I could fulfill my ultimate destiny. And in that sense, you are at peace with your past. I'll give you a quick biblical example. When Joseph became the prince of Egypt, his brothers stood before him not knowing who he was, until he said, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into slavery, who you thought was dead, who you thought 
uh, was out of your way. Then he said, now do not be angry with yourself because it was not you who sent me here. It was God who sent me ahead of you to, to preserve our family lineage. Now, this is a very important thing. Joseph was saying, for all the hell I went through in my past, I am not blaming you. I now realize it was God that was making a way where there seemed to be no way. It was God that was forcing me in the direction of my destiny because no matter how passionate we are about something in life, we tend to not make sacrificial moves based on passion. We tend to make them based on pressure. I, I, you know, I, 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 I honestly wish I could tell you that the, that the greatest moves I've ever made in my life were the results of, of passion, but in most cases, it was pressure. I'd love to tell you it was inspiration, but in most cases, it was desperation. In other words, things happen that push you into position uh, because we'll deliberate and procrastinate for years and years and never take the risk of stepping out into a greater destiny until, until that womb... That, that was our comfort zone actually falls apart and expels us. How many of you, how, how, how many of you, how many of you were physically born in the world? Say I. Well, that's exactly how you were born in the world. Your comfort zone had to become very uncomfortable. And once your comfort zone became uncomfortable and your security became insecure, you were forced into something that you did not want to enter. But only once you got there, you realized and said, you know, thank God I was born, right? Thank God I, I, I moved on. And that's what it means to have peace with your past is to look at those painful experiences and say, thank God. Thank God, because had that not happened, I would be a different kind of a person. I'd be operating in different circles. I wouldn't have the same level of consciousness. I wouldn't have the knowledge. I wouldn't have the opportunity. I wouldn't be the person that I am today. And, 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 and I certainly wouldn't fulfill my greater destiny. And that's why this revelation of your who-ness and why you are here causes you to make peace with your past and gives you the freedom to pursue your future. Now, I want us to go back to our scripture reading, which was Romans 8, verse 29. But instead, I want us to start at verse 28, okay? It's a little bit of a teaching lecture today before I go into the deep stuff. All right, so it's going to be Romans. And when you can see it, would you say amen? Romans 8, and we'll start at verse 28. Yes, Lord, and yes, Lord. But we all kind of know it. So are you ready for this now? Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. So those who are called according to his purpose will discover that nothing is working against you. Everything is working for you. I'm going to say it again. Those who are called according to his purpose will, will discover that nothing is working against you. Everything is working for you. No thing and no one can be against you because of this calling on your life that is in alignment with his purpose. Therefore, my job is to discover the purpose. If I discover the purpose and surrender to the plan, uh, everything, the entire universe starts operating in my favor. Everything starts working for me. Every setback becomes a set up for a breakthrough. Uh, you know, life, life begins to work. And even when things look like they didn't work, they were actually working in disguise. How many of you have ever been rejected before and then found out that the rejection was for your protection? Amen? That sometimes it was good that you were afflicted. It was good that you were rejected. It was good that you didn't end up in that situation, in that circle, or in that relationship. Thank God for the rejection because the rejection protected 
uh, something valuable about you. You certainly wouldn't be where you are and wouldn't have the outlook you have now were it not for those rejections. So even the bad things are working together for your good. Notice he doesn't say that all we know that all things are good for those who love God. He says we know that they work together for good. Because if we're honest, we have good days and bad days. We have great episodes and chapters of our lives. And we have difficult and painful episodes and chapters of our lives. But whatever they are, they are all working together for your good. Because you are called according to or in alignment with his purpose and you love the God that has called you when you love God and you find his purpose for your life the reason why he chose you to be part of this generation the reason why he he strategically positioned you at, at this time and in this place you discover that then everything is working for you and you can even get bold and almost arrogant in the way that you talk to adversity and say listen adversity even you are working together for my good uh, listen here setback even you are working together for my good listen here critic even you are working together for my good listen here enemy even you are working together for my good Listen here, bad days. Even you are working together for my good. Come on now. Listen, come on now. Listen here, bailiff. Even I'm just saying, whatever it is you're dealing with right now, when you get this revelation, you are going to speak to your mountain about the size of your God. You're not going to be talking to God about the size of your mountain. You're going to speak to your mountain about the size of your God and you're going to say mountain even you are working together for my good. I want you all to say it with me out loud. Say even you are working together for my good. And I want you to get in your mind the worst thing you're dealing with right now. The thing that causes you anxiety, maybe robbed you of a bit of sleep, maybe is hurting you right now. I want you to see it in your mind's eye and say, even you are working together for my good. Come on now, release your faith and say it. Even you are working together for my good. Because, because who can possibly thwart or overthrow the purpose of God, the eternal purpose of God. If you are called according to his purpose, who can thwart that? Who can, who, can, uh, who can derail that? Who can damage that? Who can hurt that? As long as I'm in this lane where I know my purpose and I'm in pursuit of that purpose, I am literally unstoppable because the purpose is unstoppable. Woo! Wish I had some help in here today. So when we talk about predestination, we are not really talking about the ideas of, you know, eternal life, heaven, hell, and that's where this argument became muddy because many years ago, theologians tried to decide whether some people who had been predestined to be saved and go to heaven and others predestined to be lost and go to hell. And it was crazy. It was a crazy idea, actually, and it's a, it's a heresy because God so loved the world and that right that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life god is not willing that any should perish but that all should come unto repentance god has a love for each and every one of us and in no sense does he decide who's going to say yes and who's going to say no but because of his foreknowledge he absolutely does know who's going to say yes and who's going to say no because that final decision is with you and because he inhabits eternity and can see the end as clearly as he can see the beginning, he knows exactly what you're going to do with your opportunity. Does that make sense? That's not the same as him deciding what you're going to do with your opportunity. It's the same as him knowing what you're going to do with your opportunity. I don't think predestination has anything to do with eternity. I think it has to do with your, your space in time, your presence on planet Earth. Because to predestine simply means to, to put a postcode in the satnav. Isn't that right? It, as though you were born with a postcode in your satnav. That there was a destination that God predetermined before you were born. 
a plan for your life, a point, a purpose, or an impact that you were born to make. A what? An impact that you were born to make. A mark you were born to make that could never be erased. And that this is encoded in you in the form of a of a prophetic postcode and your navigation is trying to bring you in that direction now just because an address is in your postcode does not mean that you will that you will arrive at the predetermined destination because the sat nav may say turn right and you decide to turn left you look at the traffic you're going to turn into and you take another route. And how many of you ever done that before? You've disobeyed your satellite navigation. What happens when you disobey it is that temporarily it, it's confused. It doesn't know what to say. And then it says recalculating route. How many have ever been there before where you feel like you're in a season where God is simply recalculating your route because you went left when he told you to go right and now you have to recalculate your route. But just because you went left did not change the destination. You can go further away from it, but it does not change the destination. I have at times gone in the opposite direction of my satellite navigation's instruction. And what it eventually does, they're quite funny. I often say that if these things ever, ever could come up with a Caribbean language or some other, it would be the funniest experience. Driving would be the funniest experience. But they just have ways of telling you that, that so long as you keep going in this direction, I have nothing further to say to you. And what happens is you see the road, the, bl the blue of the road stops, and then it's just gray as you're driving out into nowhere. And it's not telling you nothing. I ain't telling you nothing until you recognize that you are the one that's going in the opposite direction. And how many of you have had seasons in your life where you can't hear God anymore? I can't hear God. You know why he's not talking so clearly to you? Because you haven't listened to the last thing he said to you. Why? Why is he going to pile something else on top? You're simply moving in your own direction. And that's what conviction is about sometimes. When you're in the presence of God, the conviction is there to tell you, hold on a second. There is a destination pre-coded pre into your DNA and you are moving further and further away from it. And that's why you can't hear anything. That's why everything's constantly being recalculated. You're living a life that is a constant state of recalculation. But the minute you come back and surrender and like Jonah, you pray in the belly of the whale and say God I surrender all I'm not running from my mission anymore I'm not running from my destiny anymore then all of a sudden that navigation begins speaking to you again in a language that you can understand go straight ahead turn left take the next right go straight ahead make these make these movements why because you're moving in the direction of your destiny oh that's exciting that's what predestination is about. But what gets deep here and what gets crazy, crazy deep here is the fact that predestination brings up the idea of foreknowledge. Foreknowledge. For whom he did foreknow, them he predestinated. Foreknowledge. Oh, this one is this one is very, very deep because it would suggest that before I was born, before I appeared, God knew me. Isn't that right? And in Jeremiah chapter one, Jeremiah is told before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came out of the womb, I sanctified and ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean that at the point of conception, God had a plan for him? Or does it mean that before conception, God knew him? Here is the answer. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. In other words, I formed you in the belly. Okay? Whatever the biology of your conception, I am the one who formed you in the belly. But before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. This is the whole idea now that actually God knew us before we appeared in the world. It now puts a distinction between your creation and your manifestation.
Come on now. Your creation and your manifestation. Everyone say creation. Say manifestation. It would appear that we are created before we are manifested. And that perhaps the perfect metaphor is the birth, the birth process itself. Because we are, we are first formed in the belly and we are existing for nine months before we appear. Well, in a very much broader spiritual context, the implication is that we existed in some form before we came into the world. And the question is, in what form did we exist? Did we exist as a thought in the mind of God? Or were we actually a persona in the presence of God? Now we're getting crazy. Now we got to go to First Peter. Now we got to find these scriptures quick. We got them already on a list. We need to go to First Peter. <laughs> Yee! In what form did we exist? I think it's First Peter 1 verse 19. Through 21. So is it, has it come up? Okay, so this is talking about our redemption. Peter goes on to say that, you know, we were not redeemed with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without what? Blemish. And without what? Spot. That means he's qualified he, to be the sacrifice. He is perfect. He's sinless. And that's whose blood we were we were redeemed with, verse 20, who verily was what? Talk back to me, what? Before the what? But was manifest in these last times for you. So Christ himself was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifest in this time. The idea now is that creation takes place in God and is manifest in time. That's why all this talk about the foundation of the world and before the foundation of the world. Because in God, he has created everything. And this idea of in God, I'm not sure that we understand because sometimes we think of the universe as, as the ultimate and God as, as someone in the universe. But actually the universe is in him. He's much bigger than the universe. And the truth is that heaven was always part of the earth project. It's just part of a project. All of the stars, the galaxies, the Milky Ways, it's part of a project. Is that making sense? God is much bigger than that. He's much more transcendent than that and in some crazy respects the universe as we know it is probably a molecule in an even larger structure who knows God is much much bigger than than the biggest thing that we can imagine and in himself he has created everything before it appears now let me explain it to you this way Adam everyone say Adam Adam was formed from the dust of the ground that means that God has taken him like a piece of plaster scene and absolutely shaped and sculpted him while he is on the ground, a lifeless ceramic. Then God breathed into his nostril the breath of life and man became a living soul. Where then was the real man before, before, the, the ceramic came to life. The real man was in God. God has breathed him into the ceramic. God has breathed something out of himself into the earth for the earth to come alive. Which means that the real Adam was somewhere in God before the ceramic form was even put into place. It's about knowing now that the, that the real Festus was in God somewhere before the conception in the womb of a baby that would be called Festus. Now it's understanding this pre-existence and this foreknowledge because foreknowledge raises the issue of pre-existence and the big question is in what form did we pre-exist 
was it thought? And if it was thought, can we become instantly delivered from the idea that thoughts are not things? In fact, you're going, to, you're going to start making huge progress in life when you understand that thoughts are things. And in some senses, they are even more real things than the things we call things. Because the things that we call things, the Bible says, uh, by faith we understand <laughs> that things which are seen are not made from things that appear. Oh, I'm going somewhere today. I told you I'm going to go crazy today. What that means is that on a microscopic level, the things we call things matter are made up of tiny particles called molecules. Hello? Anyone went to school? That's right. Was, any, was anyone actually listening at school? Say amen. amen. Molecules. But then when you examine the molecule, the molecule is made up of even smaller particles called atoms. Then when you examine the atom, it is made up of subatomic particles called neutrons and electrons. Which are not things. They are information and energy bouncing. <laughs> Y'all ain't gonna help. <laughs> Feel like I'm in Ethiopia here with the shoulder thing. Bouncing. <laughs> okay? Which means that even on a physical level, the essential substance of material things is non material. Material things are made up of energies. Energies. <laughs> That's a great mystery in the world that on a subatomic level, there are no things. There are just thoughts. So if God thinks you, He's not talking about a figment of his imagination. He's talking about a real thing he has formed in his factory, which is his imaging. If God images something, he can talk to it, it can talk to him. Because he hasn't just imaged a picture, he's imaged a person. When, when I imagine a person, I am imagining a picture. But if God imagines, then every molecule of that person exists for him. So in what form did we pre-exist? I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I'm going. It's okay. I'm going in. Because the bigger question is, does God still see you that way? In whatever form you were when he thought you, is that still how he sees you? Is that still how he addresses you? You see, I'm convinced that every one of us has an earthly and a heavenly persona. The person we have become as a result of this journey and the person we authentically are from creation. The person you are from creation is majestic, is glorious, is competent. Because God didn't envisage a weak, broken, disturbed, insecure individual when he imagined you. When he created you in himself, you were glorious and competent and powerful. And you were, you were just amazing. You were a sight to behold. I think you made the angels jealous. Just, whoa, what is that? And I think he still sees you that way. And I think when he addresses you, he is addressing you that way. 
Which is why when he comes to Gideon, who is clearly hiding, clearly hiding, hiding from the Midianites, God says, the angel says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Why are you calling me a mighty man of valor? Hey, bro, you may have forgotten, but we all remember you from heaven days. You was, you was always a mighty man of valor. I'm just here trying to remind you who you always really was. Who you was in eternity, in eternity. You was not a coward. You were not insecure. You were not hiding from anybody. You are really a mighty man of valor. Could it be that when God changes somebody's name in the Bible, he's not really changing their name. He's revealing to them their true name. They called you Abram, but I call you Abraham because you are the father of many. That's how I created you. They called you Jacob, but I'm calling you Israel. They call you Simeon, but I'm calling you Peter. I am revealing to you who you really are, who you always were, the person you were before you were messed up in time, the authentic creature that I made with my mind, this person that I had a relationship with before he appeared in the earth. Because now you thought we were deep, but now we're going to get deeper. Are you ready? Because if in fact we pre-existed, in some form, and if in fact we are here on an assignment, i.e., you know, before you were sanctified and before you came out of the womb, I sanctified and ordained you a prophet to the nations. In other words, Jeremiah, before you were actually born, I had ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Now, if this is true of all of us, that there's a preordination that, that precedes your birth, your manifestation in the earth, that you are chosen and predetermined to do something, then is it possible? That we each agreed to come here. And agreed to carry out the task. Because God's style is never to push you into something you don't want to do. God's style is to say, who will go? And he'll wait for someone to say, here am I, Lord, send me. Woo. That's his style, is he gets your consent. So so is it at all possible that before you appeared in the world, you already consented? You agreed. You saw what becoming you would entail. The trials, the tribulations, the mistakes, the setbacks, the failures, the faults, the everything. But in order to achieve that mission, you said, okay, send me. And bang. You're born into the world, but you're on a mission. You're on an assignment. You don't remember where you came from. You don't remember who you really were. You don't remember how awesome you were in the creative imagination of God, which is even more real than the physical expressions of, of life. But you don't remember. And now you've come to Christ. You have come to reunite yourself with a memory. Woo! Could this be why we entertain these so-called delusions of grandeur? I mean, I'm looking at some of you, right? And actually somewhere, even in your condition, you believe that you are meant to be great. That you're meant to be wealthy and healthy and powerful and influential. Uh, who, who put all those ideas in you? Could it be that you're actually reconnecting to something that pre dates you that somewhere you are getting back in touch with the sat nav the postcode that was actually put inside of you from your birth and you're now beginning to realize that I am actually bigger than they say I am and I am better than I have performed up until this stage because my source and my origin is divine it's not you know you know my hood is not my source I didn't really come from the hood I came through the hood I wish I had some help now somebody said well, you know, I came from the hood. I came from a poor family. I came from a bad community. But when you understand predestination, you know you never came from it. You came through it. But you came from a place called
called glory and you're going back to a place called glory. Think of Jesus for just a moment. Did he come from Bethlehem? No, he came through Bethlehem. Did he come from Nazareth? No, he came through Nazareth. Did he come from Egypt? No, he passed through Egypt. Did he come from it? No, he came through it. And you see, the others around him said, you came from it. But his consciousness was that I came through it. I came from heaven to earth. I didn't come from a stable. Don't try to define me by the stable in which I was placed. Don't try to limit me to the culture of Nazareth because I predated Nazareth. Don't, don't try to label me that way because I didn't come from there. I came through there. And that's a big message to a whole lot of people who are looking for identity, looking for roots, looking for culture, looking for where they've come from uh, and identifying what they've come through with where they've come from. And I say no. I say no. I say, you know, you know. No, 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 no. You, di you didn't come from Tottenham. No, 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 no. No, you, di you, didn't, you didn't come from Peckham. No, 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 no. You didn't come from Peckham. You didn't come from Canning Town. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You came through. Because before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came out of the womb, I sanctified and ordained you, a prophet to the nations. And I don't like sending people where they don't want to go. So actually me and you, in my mysterious mind, already had a conversation in which I told you that you were going to go through hardship and you were going to get rejected and face disappointment and frustration and setback in your life. I told you you were going to be hurt sometimes. I told you about the cross you would have to carry. And, uh, and, and, and you agreed you said alright the purpose is big enough I will come into the world as this person and I will fulfill my mission wow. only one thing I want you to know God he said I'm going to make mistakes as I go I'm going to mess up sometimes gonna make a bad decision wrong decision I'm gonna do the wrong thing because I'm gonna be stripped of my understanding of who I really am and I'm gonna have to rediscover me and I'm gonna make mistakes and then I can hear God saying that's okay I know none of this has started yet but look over there see that man hanging on the cross he is actually paying for every mistake you're going to make when I release you into the world. Hence, the lamb is slain from the foundation of the world. So go forward with confidence, son. Burst into the world knowing that all the angels are clapping for you. Push every obstacle out of the way. Become everything that I deposited in your soul. Run with confidence, knowing that not only is heaven backing you, not only is heaven backing you, but you were forgiven of every mistake before you even started. And all you do is look back to the cross. I better finish. <laughs> you ever noticed a little mystery in the Bible? How is it that we are the sons of God? And yet Jesus is called the only begotten son of the father. Isn't that a mystery? The only begotten. But we are sons. What did he not beget us? Check this out theologically when you're ready. Back, I need us to be back in our Romans 8. I'm sorry, Romans 8. 
Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. Until he died, was buried, and rose again. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. I am the only one of my kind until I fall into the ground and die. But if the grain of wheat falls into the ground and die, it will bring forth much fruit, which means it's going to bring forth more of his kind. Jesus, the only begotten son of the father, son of literally is, is a Hebrew way of saying just like. So he's the only begotten image reflection of God. But that was until he died. Because once he died, he's no longer the only begotten son. He is the firstborn among many brethren. Watch this. Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, to become part of the new breed. Well, I'm going somewhere. The new breed. That he might be the what? Shout it back to me. Firstborn among many of his kind. You were predestinated to be just like Jesus. To become his kind. Gosh, if I, if I don't have time, I know this. You don't have to shout at me. But what's his kind? Can I say to anyone here that's listening to me and you're an atheist or an agnostic or you have no particular belief in what you think of as Hebrew and Christian mythology? Let's suppose you're right. Still, Jesus is the most successful man that ever lived. Isn't that right? He starts an organization that's still going 2,000 years later. There is more written about him than any other person that has ever walked on the earth. Every New Year's Eve, fireworks go off in Beijing, Sydney, Moscow, London, Washington, telling us that we're 2,000. And 19 years since this man, Jesus, was in the world. The most successful that ever lived. Unstoppable. Betrayed by friends. Called every name under the sun. Crucified. Still can't stop him. He's still what he decides to do. It's going to happen and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he keeps on proliferating and growing. And in a million congregations today, he is being celebrated. 2,000 years after he disappeared. You don't have a more successful role model than Jesus. And I'm here to say he was simply the first of his kind. You did not come from a mess. You came through it. You came from the creative imagination of God. And I still, I still don't know. I can't prove. I cannot prove right now. If we didn't have actual persona conversations with God before we came into the world. I can't. I don't know. I'm not going to make that a doctrine. I'm just going to say 
The real you is amazing. Lift your hands up to God right now. The real you is amazing. Let's all stand to our feet in Jesus' name. If you were blessed today by anything that we said, something really blessed you, something encouraged you, something lifted you, I want you to get ready with me to make so much noise that they think that, that the security come running in here to find out what happened in the church. Are you ready? Put those hands together. Give God a great shout with the voice of triumph. Come on, make some noise in the presence of God. Hallelujah. 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 Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Wow. Why don't you just lift your hand up to, to, to heaven with me for just, just, just a minute. You know, as we worship God today, let us know that he did not make a mistake when he made us. That he made us amazing. That he made us capable, competent, powerful, prestigious, pristine. That's how he sees us. That's how he saw us. Time is just a temporary assignment. Whatever you are dealing with in time, he made a provision for it before you appeared. We pray in this season that we will all connect to the prophetic satellite navigation that God encoded in our DNA. That we will go forward with confidence and with divine authority to be, to do, and to have all that he destined us to be. And as you worship him, Know that you're worshiping the one who made you in the beginning. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. And if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.